0: Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to 36 from the Vault. I'm Steve. I'm Rob. And uh, we're back here. We're back. For a mini, for a mini tour of mini shows uh, brought to you by Smartwool. And in the spirit of our sponsor, we're going to be calling this tour Comfort Listens. Where That's right. We're going to be talking about uh, four uh, jam-related shows... One is an official live album that we'll be talking about this season. Some of right. them are dead adjacent. I guess half of them are, are dead adjacent. The other half are not, but it's in the jam milieu, if you will. And uh, <laughs> we, each, we each pick two, and you picked the first one. Tell us, what is going to be our first comfort listen of the tour?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these are, I think, us catching up on things uh, that happened since we uh, went off the air with the original 36 uh and this was one that happened i think right at the end of our run and everybody we were both kicking ourselves over the fact that it didn't happen in time for us to cover it and i'm talking about phil and friends at the sacred rose festival here in uh, suburban chicago uh better known as the philco set thanks to the appearance of uh, two members of Wilco, mr jeff tweedy and mr nels klein
1: yeah, and uh, with uh, joining Phil Lesh, and there was Carl Denson, you got Jeff Camenti in there, Stu Allen, who I had to Google him, he's sort of like a, a Grateful Dead tribute guy. Yeah. Like, if you watch the videos, he's the dude next to Tweety in the tie-dyed shirt, uh, so you could tell the world's colliding. Uh, John Molo, the great drummer Bruce Hornsby fame, Elliot Peck playing the uh, Donna role. And of course, Graham, Lash. Also, Uh, uh,
2: Margot Price for a couple songs, randomly. I mean, a lot of people.
1: (laughs) It was a very full stage. I think she was like the artist in residence of... Sacred Rose Oh so she, right I remember she, that now Yeah She was showing up everywhere Did we talk about Sacred Rose at all? Like were they a sponsor Of any of our episodes? No Skull and Roses was uh, I, had,
2: I always get confused Every time I open up The uh, 2022 Phil and Friends concerts I get confused Because they were at both But yeah A lot, uh, lot of roses A lot of roses A lot of S words um, yeah. yeah Too bad, too was, too bad Guns uh, and Roses Didn't sponsor us <laughs> It would be nice to get Guns May- and Roses in there Maybe next year
1: Maybe next yeah. year I wanted to go to this festival because it was at the end of August, at, like you said, in suburban Chicago. But it ran across both my wife's birthday and my wedding anniversary. Yeah. So it, it was a no-go. I could have gone to this festival, and I wanted to go because you, you, obviously you have the Philco situation. You have the War on Drugs playing there. We got Goose. and Goose, by the way, it's a little teaser for a future comfort listen. Oh, uh, oh, but intense. anyway... Um, I wanted to go to this, but I couldn't. I didn't want to get divorced. It was either get divorced or, or go to this festival. Did, did you go to this festival? Right. So I did. I tried.
2: Uh, <laughs> I did not go to the Philco night. It was on a Friday night, which is kind of tough to pull off. Uh, Sunday night, I tried to go. I wanted to see J-Rad. Still have never seen J-Rad. I feel oh, like I'm cursed right. against seeing J-Rad. So my buddy got free wristband somehow. We drove out there Sunday night. We were going to see Kamasi, Washington, and then J-Rad thought uh, that's great. Nice little double bill. We're catching the very end of this festival. I got there just in time for them to evacuate the entire festival for lightning. Uh, they kind of pushed us all into the soccer stadium that was next to the festival site. Uh, let us all back in after an hour and then more lightning. They canceled the entire festival. So I think I heard like three minutes of Dawes. If that's a thing, is that a band? Um, somebody or, recognized my voice again for the second time. Somebody you, recognized me. Do you really not know
1: who Dawes is? I have is no idea like, who Dawes or, is. Or is this a bit? Oh, yeah, Dawes has been around for a long time. Um, <laughs> they're, like a, they're like an indie band that has transitioned into being more of a jammy band.
2: Okay. And that's, you know, this festival, I was excited when they announced it because it really felt like, I mean, I am Mr. Indie Jam. And this was like half indie bands, half jam bands. And I'm like, great, they're putting these together. Uh, But then they had two stages, and they didn't alternate. And they tend to put the indie bands on at the same time as the jam bands. So even if you had gone, you wouldn't be able to see both Phil and Friends and War on Drugs because they played at the same time. And you can even hear War on Drugs in the background if you listen to the odd of the Phil and Friends show. Well, I, I, uh, I,
1: I would have seen Philco. Because that was the event. Uh, I, I, I've seen the war on drugs many times. They're always great. But if I had to choose, I would I would have seen Philco. I just have to say quick, what is the number of shows that get postponed or canceled in Chicago because of lightning? I feel like there's <laughs> a incredibly high batting average for Chicago and and lightning. That's I mean, true.
2: Because you saw Pearl Jam get delayed for lightning, right? Right. Uh, and and that was
1: and, – and Fish got canceled that same – they nice. just got
2: evacuated that night too. I got, I was at Fish and got evacuated. Pitchfork got canceled that night or canceled early. So maybe that's uh, Dead the company, only other we had a ra- we had a weather delay for Dead Company our first time at Wrigley. That's true. Um, that's true. I mean, it was a lot of people were ragging on this festival, and they did have some other logistical issues. Uh, the lightning thing was no joke on Sunday night. That was like some intense lightning all over the place. There is a Grateful Dead song about how lightning can kill you. <laughs> I think it was totally appropriate to uh, get everybody out of there. It was sad for me because, but at least I got a free wristband. I didn't pay anything. It just was a rare night out away from the family to see live music. Squandered. Yeah. Um, this is something funky about.
1: There's something funky about Lake Michigan. I think it just. Uh, yeah. There's the gods of Lake Michigan. It's like we're gonna fuck with live music at least. They once hate jam bands. every summer. Yeah, they hate hippies. Yeah, yeah, there's some. It's like we gotta clean these dirty hippies with with the purifying rain off exactly. of uh, Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, I was excited to see this show. I, and again, I didn't want to get divorced, so that's why I didn't go. But um, it has been interesting to see Wilco easing ever so gingerly into the jam band world and we talked about this uh, in a previous episode of 36 from the vault but there is a uh, there was a tour that uh, wilco did in 2013 i think that was was that the americana rama tour so what Where, with
2: dylan and my morning jacket
1: yeah I, I think and bob weir was on there for some dates and weir and wilco played together and there's this uh collab- you know, they played a bunch of songs and like i think the the most noteworthy was the california stars into dark star and then back out of back into california stars otherwise known as the california dark star <laughs> which is actually pretty cool i really like how they did that so i was primed to see what they would do with phil mm-hmm. and uh we're going to be focusing specifically on us blues that's going to be our most in-depth conversation. But what did you think about this set overall? You know, it's funny to say uh, that I had high expectations for this set,
2: uh, but I was a little bit let down, I think. Um, we, we've discussed this on the podcast before, but I have a complicated relationship with Woco. Uh, this yes. was...
1: The the origin
2: story of Rob meeting Steve even was yes. talking about uh, Wilco and Dad Rock and et cetera.
1: I'd say uh, you have inflammatory opinions about about Wilco. And I do, I'm but be I, respectful about your yeah. opinions here. But th- this is our longest ongoing fight because. Mm, yeah especially the, the Nels Klein issue. And maybe we don't mm. even want to delve too deeply into this, because this is a short episode. It's going to be like a three-hour episode to start talking about Nels Klein. But We're I, trying I to keep am, things
2: tight here. This is a bad uh, start.
1: I am always blown away, though, that you don't like the guy that bridges the gap between Sonic Youth and The Grateful Dead, maybe as well as anybody. That's mm. why we look at Nels Klein. Interesting. And, All
2: right. uh, Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland.
0: head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
1: Th- and I, 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 It's somewhat inexplicable to me that not only are you not, a, it's not like you're just like, oh, he's all right. Like you actively dislike his playing. Well, no, so, to, to, to be specific, I dislike his playing in
2: Woco. I actually like some of Nels Klein's own work. I think he's a really interesting guitarist. I think what he brings to Woko, I've never thought it was a good fit. Obviously it is. They've been in, he's been in the band for like 20 years now, right? Right. <laughs> so so my close. opinion is worth you know less than nothing. Uh, but I'm just saying with my own ears and my own personal taste, I've never really liked what Nels Klein brings to Woko. Um, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I wish he was a little more Sonic Youth and Grateful Dead in Woco, maybe. That I think he kind of is a you know I don't want to like he's he's playing the the lead guitarist role a little too much to my liking in Woko. I don't know how to articulate it better than that.
1: Um, All right, well we'll we'll let that one lie there because okay. again we don't need to pick this scab too much. But um, am I wrong? I mean I haven't listened super close to this set, right? But it doesn't seem like Nels Klein is super active.
2: Well, and uh, Nels is okay, sort of active, moderately active, I think. And Nels, um, it should be said, has actually played in Phil and Friends before this show. He did like a few shows with him in 2014, I believe. So maybe off the back of that Americana-rama tour. So I guess Phil wasn't on it, but it, you know, Nels has been jam adjacent for a while. He does like the last waltz thing every year and he does, he plays with Medesky. Like there's a lot of crossover there. Um yeah, Tweedy hasn't played with Phil before, hasn't really done anything super jammy before. And apart from singing a few songs here, which he does quite well, uh, he's sort of superfluous. Like I said, a lot of people on stage. And if you watch the video, which has, you know, I think they did some sort of webcast of these shows. And you can find the videos pretty easily on YouTube. Uh, if Jeff isn't singing a song, he's just kind of there. <laughs> like he's strumming an acoustic guitar that you can't hear, Uh, seems like he's having an okay time. Seems a little bored at times. The longest jam, there's not, it's not a jammy set at all. Uh, Longest jam is Shakedown Street and Tweety might as well be like, you know, sitting on the piano bench (laughs) next to Kamenti because he's he's not doing anything. Uh, So that's kind of a bummer, but I'm like, I'm also like, what did I expect really? Like Woco is not a jam band. I would be interested if they were. More interested in them now if they had steered into Grateful Dead, uh, you know, a lot earlier than they have been recently. Um, but they're never going to be a jam band. That's just not what they're interested in, I don't think. Uh, so you have these like two sort of poles in this set between like Phil and all the usual Phil and Friends people like his son Graham and Stu Allen and Molo and those guys, Kementi. And then the Woko side, which is pulling towards a more song-oriented focus, which is fine. It just like it doesn't really satisfy either one of those. So it it left me a little cold listening to this on tape.
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I get what you mean because I don't I don't love this set either, but I would go back to that Bob Weir uh the, the sit-ins that they did in 2013 as a better representation of what a jam Wilco is, because that actually is Wilco. This isn't really Wilco. It's just two guys from Wilco in Phil's band. Mm-hmm. And I think with Tweety, the sense I get is that he's a guest. He's not the band leader. So that is going right. to affect how visible he is, especially since he is just playing acoustic guitar and not electric guitar. And they already have like three guitar players on stage. So right. that might have been an awkward thing to do. I do think that when we're played with Wilco – and especially that California Dark Star thing, I think that was a cool collaboration that shows what Wilco can do in that environment. And it was easier maybe for that to be demonstrated when you put Weir in the Wilco context as opposed to Tweedy and uh, Nels Klein in the Phil and Friends context. It, it, it is, I mean, I suspect that Tweedy felt some... Lack of comfortability with the jam bandier aspects of what Phil and Friends are because, like when Weir was with Wilco, it was more of like a late sixties, early seventies psychedelic rock type thing that would be mm-hmm. more in line with what his tastes are. Whereas here, you know, you I get like I said, you're getting like the the Grateful Dead tribute uh, band guitarist sitting next to him in the tie dyed shirt. You have like Carl Denson up there. Whipping, you know, Branford Marcellus like sax licks, and you know, and I mean, Kementi actually, again, sing the praises of Kementi. I think he's a good, he can kind of work in either context. I was like, man, I'd love to hear Kementi play organ with Wilco. Like, it sounds, yeah, absolutely, yeah, great. And the thing with Tweety, I will say, I think he sounds great singing these songs. Like, Mm -hmm. his voice is similar to me to Jerry, like old Jerry voice, mm-hmm. late eighties, early nineties, Jerry voice. So, um, you know, it's a sort of like craggy worn out, but soulful aspect of, of what he does vocally. So from that standpoint, I, I really liked it. And, you know, it, shifting the conversation to us blues here, this is not a song I really love when the grateful right. dead do it. um, I actually really like this version, though. Yeah, it's like,
2: it's a, it's a mediocre Grateful Dead song and maybe a great Woko song. <laughs> like, it actually works really well with Tweety singing, and then it's stuck around with Woko. Like, they've been playing it, it seems like almost every show uh, as they've been touring this fall. I know they played it at, they played a little tiny show here in Chicago at an old country bar called Carol's, and they played it both sets of that show. Uh, Some video leaked of them playing it at other fall shows, I remember. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Tweety, where he shines on this set is vocally, uh, and not just on U.S. Blues, Direwolf opening up. He sounds great on Direwolf. So he sings Franklin's Tower. It sounds really good. Um, Tweety has like the Jerry Garcia vocal range, but it's like you crank up the Midwestern twang like 50%. Which, of course, is going to appeal to, to you and I, Steve. <laughs> like, what if Jerry grew up in, you know, central Illinois instead of <laughs> California? Uh, so, yeah, the U.S. Blues. Over, oh, go ahead.
1: I'm still mulling over your comment about the, it's a mediocre dead song, but it's a great Wilco <laughs> song. And if that's just like a drive-by shade. No, 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 no! no. That's
2: not how I mean it at all. It's just purely the, like that
1: seemed like a little drive-by shooting there, but it was <sighs> like you just you're just kind of grazing the leg with the bullet. You are there. you're you're always so sensitive about anything I say about Wilco. That's why this was a well, fraud thing does that to mean, kick though? off our mini season. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's a sensitive thing, though. Like, what it? What no. it oh, well, it's bad. It's a bad song when the dead do it, but like if Wilco does it, it's I, uh, comparably better to like what they do. Is that well, what that means, all, or what does that mean?
2: I think it it's not a bad song. I know I I think it's it's I don't an okay it's a song, song for the Grateful I, Dead. It, it's a solid song. Yeah. Um but it just fits Woko's strengths. I mean, this is a, we talked about this for 36, 40 episodes of the, the podcast. That the Grateful Dead are so many different kinds of bands. Uh and there is a form of the Grateful Dead that is like r- really adjacent to what Woko does. And here I'm thinking almost not I'm almost thinking of like early Woco, like alt-country Woco, the days of alt-country and No Depression and that whole scene, which Woco has kind of come back to a little bit since they made a country album, country-ish album this year. Um, so like that U.S. blues doesn't fit this timeline exactly, but, you know, The Working Man's Dead, um, American Beauty Dead is probably what Woco and Tweety are going to sound the best playing because they're also in that Americana zone, that sort of country rock zone. Uh, U.S. Blues is, you know, later in the dead's chronology, but actually sounds kind of good, like, you know, reverted back to this country rock sound that Tweedy does so well. Um, I guess it's the only thing I would say. So Nels Klein, I think he had technical difficulties on this version of the song, because uh, the solo, guitar solo in the middle, if yeah. you watch the video, is that Stu Allen guy. Not right. Nels. Um, Nels plays um, Lap Steel on uh, Dire Wolf and on yeah. Pride I think, later in the show. Sounds great. And he's been playing a lot of that on the new Woko stuff and the shows they've been playing around Cruel Country. Uh, put a little Nels Pedal Steel on U.S. Blues, too. I think even better. Like, it, it is just like, it, it's something that fits, I think, squarely within the strengths of what at least Jeff and Nels do. And it sounds like, you know, from the Woko versions, I've heard what the full... Uh, band Wilco could do,
1: yeah. There, there is like a weird thing that happens in U.S. blues because it, it looks like there's a space open for Nels Klein and he just kind of does a weird little he like clunky clunk like, thing, blink, blink. Yeah, and then he walks and off then, stage. And <laughs> then they go into like the end of the song. And yeah, there there must have been some sort of technical difficulties there. But yeah, I'm with you on the pedal steel. That's like one of the best parts of Cruel Country, the the most recent Wilco record. Just Nels Klein playing a lot of pedal steel. Uh, in a Jerry Garcia-esque type style, I would say, on that mm-hmm. record. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, again, I, 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 I think people should listen to this Philco show, make up their own minds, and then also try to seek out some of those Wilco Bob Weir things from 2013. Because again, they do get a little trippier in those sets, and I think it works really well. And I think there's just something about... You know, if Phil sat in with Wilco, I think it would be more effective than the other way around. Right. Because I, I, I think uh, just the demands of like what Phil and Friends is, it probably doesn't really play to the strengths of uh, uh, Tweedy and, and, and Klein. But if you bring one of the Grateful Dead guys into Wilco, it does seem like that's the nudge to get them into more of like a jammy yeah. improvisational zone. Now I'm and into the idea. Yeah, God. Well, and certainly, you know, Tweedy has a history of, you know, with loose fur, Jim O'Rourke, Glenn Cochi. I mean, the, you know, he, it's not like he is totally, uh, you know, averse to, to jamminess. Uh, although that's in more of a gun, like a post rock type thing. I think yeah. there's always going to be a part of him that is not going to want to go full jam band, but if it's in Wilco, it can be camouflaged maybe as a post rock experiment that's more acceptable to him i mean that's that's just speculation but that's my sense of of, of where he's coming from
2: right right well now i'm uh, into this idea of kementi sitting in with Woko cuz i will say in this us blues and throughout the set kementi is just having a ball <laughs> like he is like he's so happy in the videos i just love watching jeff kementi play and molo too like it like molo and kementi are always like you know They're looking at each other. They're smiling. They're having a great time. But, you know, all all in all, I felt like this set, it's just like, it's trying to do too much. Um, If it was, you know, if Philco was the name, like, yeah, you're right. Maybe it should have been Phil and Woko and focused, you know, purely on this, like, sort of overlap between those two. But it's also trying to be just sort of like general Phil and Friends. The Carl Denson piece is kind of like pushing them into a different area, too. I like them on some songs. I find him kind of irritating on others. Like he does a flute solo in Jack Straw, which I just, I don't need. <laughs> I don't need no. that. Uh, but he's great on Chickdown Street. So, but the Carl Denson thing is not the Wilco thing. Like that was a weird thing to smoosh together into one show. And it made me actually, I'm curious with your thoughts on this, because we've talked a lot about like Phil and Friends versus Dead and Company. Like if you had to choose one, who would you go see and I feel like I've always said Phil and Friends, I think because I like Phil the most of the surviving band members, and I find what they do with the material to be more interesting generally. Um, but this is the kind of show that makes me think, m- maybe I'm leaning towards Stead & Company now instead of Phil and Friends, because I think what I like about the Grateful Dead and about a lot of jam bands is the chemistry that forms you know, when people play with each other a lot. And can anticipate each other's moves, and you know, develop that sort of interband telepathy that allows them to go to some really interesting spaces. Uh, whereas the Phil and Friends model is seeming more and more like all star jams. I guess that's what this reminds me of. Is like a like a Ringo's all star band type concert, or like the all star jam at the end of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, which is always a mess except when Prince plays while my guitar gently weeps. Um, It just feels like people lining up to take solos. It feels very like smashed together sometimes in terms of, you know, the pieces that they've assembled. Um, It just doesn't really gel. It doesn't, you don't get to that sort of group improvisation that I like. It just kind of becomes a bunch of people playing Grateful Dead songs and some interesting moments happen, but it's really just kind of, cover bandy, I guess. How, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Phil and Friends is it's just inherently less consistent because they have a revolving cast of musicians. So it's going to depend on who's playing on that particular day, how well everyone's gelling and uh, you know, with, whereas with Dead and Company it's it's the same band. So it's a little more reliable in terms of like what they're going to be able to do. And like you said, the uh, chemistry is already established. I mean, this set uh, I don't want to be too hard on it because I, I mean, I, I don't think it is mind-blowing musically, but it's still entertaining, and I'm still mm-hmm. glad it, it it exists. And sure. you know, yeah. I, I think I think the best way to approach a set like like this is is like as a thought experiment. Like, what what would it be like if Jeff Tweedy and Nels Klein sat in for a set with Phil and Friends, and like, what would that produce? And I think there's some really cool moments in this show. There's some other things that are just okay, but I'm glad it exists. And, you know, I think we also have to point out that this is like one show. If they played five shows or ten shows, we're probably going to get a different uh, output. You know, there'd probably be more comfortability in terms of taking it in different directions. Since you're doing a headlining set at a festival, it's a one-time thing. You don't have the experience, and also I'm sure that there's an inclination to please the crowd a little bit, Uh, you know. So taking in all those elements, you know, I'm sure if we were there, it would have been a lot of fun to see it. Um, But, yeah, as a a purely sort of tape experience, I don't know if I'm going to dig that deeply into this. Again, I keep saying this, but I think the Bob Weir stuff with Wilco – from 2013 is more interesting. And that's the stuff that I am more inclined to revisit uh, than the Philco set.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, really, it's like it's it's a miracle that Phil is still with us and we can go see him perform live. He does seem to be um, I don't want to say diminished. He's he's not as much of a front man as he used to be in older days of Phil and Friends. Like it seems like Graham Lash is the band leader now. Right. Like he's in the middle of the stage and seems to be driving how the concerts go. Um, Phil doesn't sing as much anymore. I was kind of surprised. I think he only takes lead on like one or two songs. Yeah. Uh, here we are. We're,
1: we're, we're sad that Phil isn't singing as much as he used to. Who would have thought anyone would be sad about that? But here true. we are. But yeah, it's great that Phil's out there. I would love to see them try this again, and maybe the second time they'll they'll get a little freakier, you know, yeah. so digging into uh, deeper cuts and start jamming out. Now, Klein won't have technical issues, uh, but yes, yeah, definitely an interesting moment in recent jam history, and I'm glad we were able to talk about it here in our comfort listens yes. season.
2: Brought to you by Smart Wool. Thank you very much, yes. Smart Wall. Uh, just as a quick tease of what the next episode might be, though, Steve. What did you think of uh, your buddy Rick playing with Villain Friends? Rick from Goose. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't listen to that, so uh, I, I can't. I okay. can't tell you. Well, hurry up and listen between this episode and the next
1: episode. Well, I don't know if I will have time. We're, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. All but right. uh, yeah, we'll be back with more Thirty Six from the Vault in in the mini form next week.